our, uh, in our maybe, maybe final week of our series, Desperate. Uh, well, yeah, so desperate maybe, well, you know, so we don't know. We, uh, I don't know. But we've been in this series called Desperate, and uh, we're, we're, we've been looking at each week, we've been looking at something, uh, one area specific to our faith that uh, it is worth being desperate over. I know culturally uh, being desperate is not a good thing, especially if you are in a relationship. No one wants a desperate boyfriend or girlfriend. Can I get an amen with that? And so uh, so we just want to make sure, I want to make sure that we're talking about the right desperate. Uh, and so, uh, so yeah, we're excited about that. One thing that I did want to bring your attention before I jump into the message is on June 1st. That's Wednesday. So if you're new uh, and you didn't know this, every Wednesday we come and we meet for worship and for prayer. And it's been an amazing um, time just to come and, and and to pray for our Sundays and for our city and for our, our lives, whatever we're going through. Um, but June 1st, that, so that's in like two more Wednesdays, uh, we are actually doing a thing called the Pursuit Party. And so at 6 o'clock, we're going to come here for 30 minutes. We're going to pray. We're going to worship. But after that, we're going to have a barbecue. I think we're going to have a jump house out front. And so it's just going to be an opportunity to connect outside of a Sunday morning. And so I really would love uh, for you to join us June 1st, 6 o'clock. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then, uh, so yeah, hopefully you can join us for that. So uh, if you got your Bibles, we're going to be in Mark chapter 2, Mark chapter 2. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles, don't worry. It's going to be on the screen for you. Mark chapter 2, and it says this. After a few days, Jesus returned to Capernaum, and word got around that he was back home. A crowd gathered, jamming the entrance so no one could get in or out. He was teaching the word. He being Jesus was teaching the word. They brought a paraplegic to him. That word is just kind of fun to say. I know, that's wrong. Stop, John. They brought a paraplegic to him, carried by four men. When they weren't able to get in because of the crowd, they removed part of the roof and lowered the paraplegic on his stretcher. Impressed by their bold belief, Jesus said to the paraplegic, Son, I forgive your sins. This morning... Uh, in our perhaps last message of our series, Desperate, I want to talk to you from this subject. It's a rescue mission. It's a rescue mission. Let's pray one more time and then we'll get started. Father, we love you. God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for each person uh, that's here this morning, each person that's joining us online. God, I thank you that you have so much more in store for us, God. And so I pray that you would just continue to grow us, continue to stretch us. Uh, God, so that we can become what you've called and created us to be. I pray, God, within the next moments together that, that the word, your word, would fall on good ground. We want to leave here changed. We want to leave here better, but not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world around us. God, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, everyone say it. Amen. Amen. I think this is a fair statement that most people would do what they could in order to help someone in need. That was an amen. <laughs> I, I think most people would do what they could to, to, to help someone 
in need. Now, I do think that dependent on the connection level determines the desperation of how much you're willing to help that person in need. For instance, for instance, um, my wife, I love my wife a lot. Someone's like, praise God, that's a good thing, right? Like, yeah. Um, and so, uh, so this is just hypothetical, okay? We're just, we're just doing hypotheticalnessness things here. And, and so, so my wife, if my wife and I were, I don't know, let's say stranded in the North Atlantic Ocean, because our cruise ship crashed and her and I were just floating in the water. And out of nowhere, a giant floating device came. Uh, I am so desperate to help her that I would make it work for both her and I to lie on this ginormous floating device. Amen. Like, like, if it was the size of this carpet, like, I, even if it was smaller, I would, I would first, I would get on the boat, because you got to help yourself first, right? <laughs> hey, hey, chill, chill. Uh, I'm just doing what the, air, the airplane people tell you to do. <laughs> Stop judging. <laughs> like, I'm getting on that Floating device first, and, and even if it was tiny, I'm putting her on top of me. I'm like, we're going to make it work, is what I'm trying to say. Well, I want to do whatever I could to help my wife because I'm desperate to help her out. Clearly, 25 years later, I am still questioning the desperation that rose had for Jack. How desperate are you, Rose? I love you. I'll never let go. What the heck? Some of you are like, what is he talking about? This is not Bible. Chill, we'll get there. <laughs> like to this day, I am questioning her desperation to save poor Jack. And here's where I'm trying to get this morning. If I can get past my frustration and anger. Here's what I'm trying to get at. When you are desperate for something, when you are desperate for someone, you are willing to move heaven and hell in order to make sure what you set out to accomplish is accomplished. When you're really, really, really desperate. And this morning... Uh, my, my talk, what I, what I want us to, to rally around is this idea. Here's my question. How desperate are you for others? Specifically, because some of y'all are like, I'm desperate for that person right there. Like, specifically, how desperate are you for others to know Jesus? Jesus. 
How desperate am I for others to know Jesus? Now, before I continue on, uh, I, I, wanna under, I want you to understand that I understand that there are many ways that people can, can discover Jesus. Like, I want you to understand, like, someone, you could be at McDonald's. I don't know why you would be there because fast food. Come on, chill. Like, no one who eats McDonald's. Um, I do. Okay, I do. But what, what does that have to do with anything? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> Hungry? Yes, yes, clearly. Like, you can, like, people can discover Jesus anywhere they're at. I understand that. But for, for, for the, the discussion of today, I want to propose to you that people can discover Jesus perhaps the best way in the context of the local church, in the context of a Sunday morning. In fact, dare I say, a lot of us sitting in this room today, you discovered Jesus because someone brought you. Maybe not to Discovery, maybe to another local church in the area. Or, or like, so we're here, right? For and so, like, the, the, this idea, I want us to understand the importance of the Sunday morning gathering. In fact, Discovery, we launched Discovery so that people can experience Jesus on a Sunday morning. Like, that, that's been our heart and our goal from the very beginning, okay? So I wanted to preface with that because I didn't want to get emails saying, you can know Jesus in McDonald's. I know, okay? So hopefully that will alleviate any emails. But here, here's, here's, here's what I want to say. The question, the question is, how desperate are you for others to know Jesus, okay? And here's how I want to gauge that this morning within the context of a Sunday morning, okay? Within the context of a Sunday morning. How do you view the empty seats around you? How do you view the empty seats around you? Now, every Sunday, there's always empty seats, right? And my question, how do you, how do you view them? I, I did the hard work for you. I, I came up with three, three ways that you view, that most of us would, would, would view the empty seats around us. By the way, no one loves sitting in the front row. And so... So there's a lot of people, right, that just need Jesus right there. But three, three, three ways that you, that you and I, we, we can view an empty seat. The first one is this. The first one is this. When I see an empty seat, I can see it as space. I can see it as, ah, oh, yes. No one's next to me. I can, I can relax. I can sprawl out. I don't have to worry about. Someone smelling next to me, like, I don't have to worry about the three feet, six feet thing. I got space. Right? So, so some of us, you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, okay? <laughs> but some of us, like, we, we, we see these empties, and we're like, yes, yeah, space. Whew. Some of us, uh, we, when we see an empty seat, we see it as options, we're like, yes. Oh, I love it. I love it that I can come and there's a seat wherever I want to. I, like, I get to sit there. I love that. Oh, I love that. And then, like, oh, yes, no one's sitting in my seat. Yes, praise God. 
right? Like options. Like we, we can see these empty seats as options. Like, yes, I have more options. If I don't want to sit in the front row because I'm late, I can sit wherever I want. There's options, okay? So that's the second one. Here, here's the third option. And this is the option that I, that I hope that we can begin to, to get around and rally around. But the third option is this, beginning to see empty seats as potential. Beginning to see that empty seat next to me, in front of me, behind me as potential. To see it not just as a seat, but as someone's story. See, because at one point or another, we were all just a story waiting to be in the seat. At some point, we all came here at one point messed up, broken, hopeless, scared. Just waiting to see what God is wanting to do in my life. What story is he writing in my life? And so my heart this morning is that when we begin to see an empty seat, that we would see it with the lens of potential. Like that could be someone who really, really needs Jesus. Now here's why I love the story that we read in Mark chapter 2 is because I think that it is a story, it, it's a story of Jesus' faithfulness, but I also think it's a story of desperation, of, uh, of the desperation to have for others. And so what I want to do is I want to give us three, uh, three takeaways from this story, and then we're going to be done, and we can go to Applebee's, right? Because, hey, have you guys, this is not in my notes, but I've noticed this. Have you guys ever driven by churches once we're dismissed and they're still going? And you're like driving by like, suckers, <laughs> right? Like, no, is that just me? Okay, that's just me. Pray, pray for me. Pray for me. I passed like three churches on the way home, and they're still, they're still meeting. <laughs> and it's like 1 o'clock, y'all. Come on. Anyways, three takeaways from this story. Three takeaways from this story. Number one, number one is this. My relationship, my relationships are my responsibility. My relationships are my responsibility. So, so the story starts off with these four guys and, and, and their goal. They have one goal, and it's to bring their friend to Jesus. Now, we're never given the relational connection of these four guys to the paraplegic man. We don't know if this is their brother. We don't know if this is their cousin. We don't know if this is their uncle their second cousin. Like, we, we don't know the relational connection between these two. All we know is this. All we know is that they, they knew that their friend was in need, and they addressed it. Like, all we know is that, is that they had a relationship that was in need, and they took responsibility for it. That's all we know. And I think that's all we need to know. See, because they understood two things. They understood what was missing, and they understood who can fix it. They understood that their buddy Joe, we're just going to call him Joe. This buddy Joe was helpless, and, and he was crippled, and he was paralyzed. They, they understood the need of their friend Joe. Here's my question. Are you aware of the needs of those around you 
in the rooms that God has placed you in? Like, are you aware of the Joes at your workplace, in your family, your neighbors? That, like, do you have eyes enough to see, man, they're hurting? Man, they're, they're, they, they need something. And, and not only did they, did, did they see, but they addressed it. They put action to it. So it would be one thing if they're like, Joe, that stinks, man. Hey, have a blessed day. I'll pray for you. But, but they were like, they noticed and they brought him. They brought him to the very person, the only person that, that can fix what poor Joe was going through. Friends, you have the answer to the very need that Joe has. I have the answer. You have the answer of what Joe needs. And so he brings, they, they, bring, uh, they bring this guy to Jesus because they're, they're, they're taking responsibility for the relationships. Here's the second one. Third takeaway from this story is this. Convenience is overrated. Convenience is overrated. It says, in, uh, when they weren't able to get in because of the crowd, they removed part of the roof and lowered the paraplegic on his, on, on his stretcher. And so, so here the guys are like, okay, we're going to bring him. They put him on the mat. They start bringing him. Like we, we, so they've identified that this guy needs some help. They, uh, they identified where they need to take him. So, so they get him. And they bring him, and, and they get to where Jesus is at, and the room is crowded. They can't get in. They're, they're, they're trying to, like, they're trying to get in, but, but everyone's, everyone's there, like, huddled around. And they can't, they can't get to Jesus. And in this moment, they could have just left, they, they could have just been like, hey, we'll try again next time Jesus is in town, buddy. It's okay. We'll, we'll be okay. It, it'll be okay. We'll, we'll just, it's okay. We'll, we'll try again. We'll try again. I got, I got somewhere I got to go. Uh, I got my kid's baseball game. This ain't going to work. We, we, we'll, we'll try it again next week. Convenience. convenience. And I got to be honest, like I wish, I wish that I was like these friends. Because we know that when they, when they, uh, when they got to the crowded room, we, we know that they, they didn't stop there. They're like, hey, we're going to figure this out, buddy. Joe, you just sit tight. We're going to figure this out. We have a goal. We want you to see Jesus. We're going to make it work. So, so they were trying to, they, they wanted to make it work. God, I wish I was like these friends. But if I was honest, I'm far from these friends a lot of the times. It, if I'm honest, most of the time, I have the tendency to cater to my convenience. So a lot of the times, if I'm honest, it, it, it comes down to how, how willing am I to be inconvenienced by this person. You can't say that. Pastor, 
Sorry to disappoint. Like sometimes, sometimes convenience is what I'm going for. Can you pray for me, pastor? Yeah, real quick, let's pray. <laughs> like convenience is a thing. And so like this is something like God had to work in, uh, in me because like, like I, I don't want, if, if convenience is where I stop, I will never grow. If convenience is where you stop, you will never grow. So we have to learn to push past, like, our, our willingness to just want to be convenient. Convenience. Convenient? Convene. We just, we, you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. We, <laughs> and, and, and so, so he, here's how I've been working on this, okay? So in John chapter 13, Jesus says to his disciples, he says this, a new commandment I give to you, love one another. To which I'm like, that's not a new commandment. <laughs> like, like, where's your theology, Jesus? You know what I'm saying? Like, you said that to us before. But see, Jesus, prior Jesus, like, he's like, hey, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. But Jesus, in John chapter 13, he changes it. He switches it. He, he says, I got a new command for you. Love one another. Okay, we got that part. As I have loved you. What? He, he flips the script. He's like, I no longer want you to love people the way that you want to be loved. He's like, I want you to love people the way that I've loved you. And here's the deal with Jesus' love. Christ and convenience don't mix. Like Jesus, nothing about Jesus' life was convenient. Jesus, the day before he was hanging on the cross, he didn't walk up to it and be like, dang. Woo, that looks like that hurts. <laughs> Beam me up, Scotty. Right? Like, no. Why? Because convenience was not part of his culture. He was willing to push past what was convenient for him. And he said that, hey, I need to learn to love others the way that he loves me. And so when I don't want to pray for that person because my stomach's hungry, literally, WWJD, what would Jesus say? He would, he would push past what's convenient. And so these friends, they, they had a decision, like, are we going to push past what is convenient in this moment? And the third and final takeaway, and then we could have the keys come up, because I, I believe in faith we're going to land this plane. Number three is this, desperation, what? Desperation makes the difference. Desperation makes the difference. So, uh, so they, they're like, they get to the room, it's crowded, they can't, get, they can't get their friend through the door. And one of the guys, we always have to have one of these friends that are just kind of crazy. One of his friends were like, hey, what if we dropped him in the, through the roof? <laughs> right? Like we all have that person in your life. If you don't, it's probably you. 
And, and he's, they're like, let's bring him up to the roof. And so they bring him up to the roof. They start digging. They start removing the roof. Man, if I'm that paraplegic, I'm, I'm like, hey, guys, can we rethink this? Hey, chill, bro, you're already paralyzed, okay? <laughs> like, what is the worst that can happen, you know? I'll repent for that later. <laughs> Welcome to Discovery. <laughs> they're, they're, they're removing the roof, and the guy on the, the, the little stretcher is like, this is not a great idea. His friend's like, no, it's a great idea. We, we got this fist bumping. I got you, bro. And, and uh, they start lowering him down. They're lowering him and, hey, hey, you're going too fast. Lower, slow. And what we read in the text is that they place him directly in front of the feet of Jesus. And, uh, and Jesus says this. He says this, he says, or the, the text, the scripture says this, impressed by their bold belief. Impressed by their bold belief. What is he saying? He was impressed by how desperate they were. He was sitting there, like, eating his bread or whatever he's doing. And then, like, someone's like, Poof. he's like, oh, my knee. That'll come later. <laughs> he's like chilling there and the scripture says he was impressed by their desperation he's like y'all are crazy wow. he was impressed by their desperation let me ask you this this morning how desperate are you for others to know Jesus. Like how desperate are you to go through the length of lowering someone down from the roof, hypothetically, so that they can experience Jesus. And then Jesus, he says something so bizarre. He says this, he says, uh, Jesus said to the paraplegic, son, I forgive your sins. And I was thinking about that. And uh, I actually don't think what Jesus is saying in this moment, I don't think that he was saying that his sins is the reason why he had his paralysis. And the reason why I don't think that is because in John chapter 9, uh, there's this blind guy and the disciples are like, which one of this guy's parents messed him up so he's blind? And Jesus is like, neither. He's like, he's like this way so that the power of God can be seen in his life. And so I think, I don't think when Jesus was like, hey, buddy, it's amazing. Your sins are forgiven. You're made well. I don't think, I don't think that like he, he was referring to the fact that his sins made him paralyzed. Here's what I personally think. I think that when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, what, what, what does he say? He said, son, I forgive your sins. I forgive your sins. I think what Jesus is doing in this moment is he's uncovering the real heart and motive of this individual that was 
sick, that was paralyzed. Let me explain a little further. I think that this guy on the stretcher, when his friends were like, hey, this guy Jesus is in town. You've heard about Jesus. You heard what he did up to that, to, uh, when he prayed for that lady and she stopped bleeding? Like he does amazing things. See, I think, I think that, that this paraplegic man was like, no, not today, guys. Why? Why don't you want to go see Jesus? I actually think when Jesus said, I forgive your sins, Jesus was, was revealing the fear that prevented the man from coming to Jesus. He was preventing. It, he, Jesus understood like, hey, like this guy, like he wanted to be healed, but he felt like he couldn't because of his sins. He, like he wanted to be healed, man. Like he wanted to be unparaplegic. I don't know what the correct thing is. But I think he wanted to be healed. But he was like, I can't see Jesus. I heard this one time he called out this woman for having five wives, husbands, excuse me. She was, and the one that she was living with wasn't even her husband. I don't want him to call out my sins. And yet Jesus, the real issue, yes, yes, I want to heal your physical needs. But Jesus, more, more, more so than not, I think Jesus was like, I want to heal your internal needs. I want to heal the fact that you feel like Jesus could never love you. And here's why I think this is important. Because in this room, we have friends who are like, I will never step foot through the church. If you knew my past, I'll walk in. What happens? Roof falls on me. And I'm like, no, trust me. I'm still here. Or, or, or maybe, maybe this morning some of you are here and that was your mindset for the longest. You're like, you're like hey, I, will I, I, can't, I can't approach Jesus because, because of my past, because of the things that I've done, the, the life that I lived. And I'm here to let you know this morning, Jesus loves you as you are. But here's the best part. He loves you so much so he doesn't want to leave you where you're at. Come on, friends. You and I, we have this hope who is in Jesus. Who is Jesus? No, because I'm closing. I'm done. I told you. <laughs> I told you I can keep going. But last thing, last thing, is if the past 25-ish minutes that I've been talking. If what I've said that, hey, we need to, we, we need to reach people, like, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. This is not a recruiting mission. Like, this is not recruiting. This is not the people in front of Target like, hey, will you sign this ballot for fish in Alaska, right? Like, we Like, I'm, we're, we're not trying, I'm not trying to, I, listen, I don't want to be the best church at recruiting. Friends, this is not about recruiting. This is a rescue mission. 
This is a rescue mission that there's people who need hope. There's people that need that are that are broken that need someone in their life to be like, hey, I am willing to tear the roof off of this place so that you can find your healing in Jesus. We are part of a rescue mission. Operation Rescue Mission. That's what we're at. That's what we're doing. This is more than just filling the chairs. It's understanding what the chair symbolizes and what the chair represents. On Easter, and I'm closing. I know I said it third time. Chill, okay? You'll still get out before the church over there. Um, they're just getting out of worship right now. And they started at 9 o'clock. Hey, okay, focus, focus. I, I got it. So, um, so, so, so here, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Uh, I had a friend that I was like, hey, I need to invite to church. Right? Because here I am, I'm on stage. I'm like, come on, let's reach people. And I don't do it, too. <laughs> I'm like, that's crazy. Okay? And, and, and so, so on, on Easter, I hope he's, I mean, I hope you're here, but like, like I didn't really ask for permission to share the story. So, um, so I, I, I'm like, I'm like, God, who am I going to invite to church? And I felt like God kept putting um, this, this person in my heart, right? And I'm like, no, not him. God, he has tattoos. And God's like, no, 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 this guy, this guy, this guy needs, invite him. And hey, here's great news. If you've ever chickened out, I, I kind of chickened out. I had my invite and I, he was cutting my hair and I was like. <sighs> so what I did is I just put it on his windshield. <laughs> yeah, yeah, judge. Okay. All right, y'all are big now, right? Yeah. You're all like, what a pastor. Chill. God, y'all judge hard. And so, so I put it on his windshield and I text him and I'm like, hey man, I just, I, I wanted to give you more tip, Venmo, generosity speaks, right? Stop, stop leaving tracks at, at your server's table and say Jesus loves you. Okay, that, well, um, so, 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 uh, like I text him, I'm like, hey, I just, I just, tipped you. Also, I, we're having this Easter thing at our church that, you know, I'd love for you to come. You don't have to, right? Like, we always give them that option. Like, I like, I want you to come, but you don't have to come. Um, and, and so, 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 uh, we're, we're here. Janice is up here on Easter Sunday. I'm in the front row. I'm like, I'm just like, you know, just God, prepare my heart. I'm getting ready. Uh, and I look up and my barber is looking at me and he's waving to me. And, and, but, and I'm like, I don't even know who this is. You know? Like, and I was like, oh, it's, hey, what's up, man? And, uh, and he, he sits in the front row. I'm like, man, this is awkward. And uh, uh, he, at the end, like, hey, if you're here, you want to make a decision to follow Christ, you know, just I see his hand go up. And I'm like, no, he doesn't. No, 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 no. He's like Jesus. Like he has, he doesn't. He cusses. 
He has tattoos. Like, this is impossible. Afterwards, I'm talking to him. He's like, hey, man, like, dude, I just, I needed to hear this. I needed, like, I'm Zacchaeus. That's what he said. And then the best part, I don't see him for four weeks. The other day, this, this week, this past week, his son and my son are friends. And I know I'm going over time, guys. Just, I'm done, I promise. He drops off his son. And he t- I'm in the house, right? And he tells my son, he's like, hey, can you go get your dad? I just want to talk to him real quick. So my son, like, I'm in the house, like, praying, fasting, you know. <laughs> okay, I was watching Netflix. And my son, my son comes in. He's like, hey, Dad, so-and-so wants to talk to you. And I'm like, okay, let's see what he wants. I step out. I'm on my steps. He's in his car. He's, he didn't even get out. He's like, I have my grass. He's like, hey. I'm like, what's up, man? I want to get baptized. I was like, oh. I go up to him, and we just start talking. He's like, hey, man, like, I just, I need some real hope. And here's why I tell you this story, not to give myself a pat on the back, though you could. <laughs> but, but the reason why I share this story is because you and I, we have no idea who needs to hear the good news of Jesus. The very people that we think will never, ever, ever come and experience Jesus are the very people who are looking for friends to rip a hole in the roof and create a space for them. Amen, somebody.